In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. Hello, my favorite people in the world. Before we get to this episode and be prepared, this episode is full of laughter and fun. I just wanted to get on and talk to you about a couple things. If you've been listening and watching social media, this is going to be my last Some Kind of Brown episode of October. However, I will still be posting on social media, you can contact me still, and I will be dropping some teasers for a massive, massive November project I've been working on. In addition to that, I did want to say that at the moment I am trying to get a better microphone. There are some things that I'm working on and some projects that require a professional level microphone. I've been using a mid-range, beginner level microphone. If you like this sound, this is what it sounds like. And if I reach my goal of $50, whether through new patrons or donations, I will be donating my mic to someone who already has a podcast and needs a second mic for their co-host or someone who wants to start a podcast and does not yet have a microphone. So if you would like to donate, you can join the Patreon fam and look at the perks. I'm about to add some new perks to that, so I don't know, keep an eye out for that. And if you are wanting to start a podcast or are in need of a second microphone, just contact me through my DMs or my email and I will draw a name out of the hat when I reach my goal and try to get that mic to you. I just wanted to get on and say that before we get to the episode. Again, I have some amazing guests on. This is a really laid back episode. I'm talking to some people who deal with different belief systems and I think this is probably the most intersectional episode I've ever done. We touch on a lot of things if you can tell by the title, culture, religion, fairies. You'll see what I mean when you get there. Just stick with me. Even if you feel hesitant about me bringing up religion, there's no bashing on either side. And there's a ton, a ton of laughter. So I'm going to stop talking your ear off, at least here. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Some Kind of Brown. Today is going to be very exciting. I think we have two very entertaining ghosts <laughs> ghosts Ghost? guests <laughs> ghosts oh yeah i'm leaving that <laughs> guests from a wonderful podcast but i will let them introduce themselves and their podcast hello, hello. welcome to bsp believer skeptic podcast i'm Chris. i'm the believer i'm cody i am the skeptic and we are an lgbtq paranormal comedy podcast yeah so we basically we pick um paranormal topics and they can range from oh my gosh everything we've done so far we have six thousand episodes out <laughs> whatever <laughs> one day maybe one day maybe yeah but we've done like La Llorona and cryptids and urban legends, cryptids, ghosts, religious phenomena. You know. Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. And that's my thing. Yeah. And we present stories. But then Chris believes in that stuff, typically. 
Yeah. Typically. Yeah. And do you, Cody, want to believe, right? But you don't have enough proof? Is that the whole thing? Yeah, exactly. I'm the skeptic, but I'm not the skeptic that's like, that doesn't exist. I'm like, I want it to. Like, I want want there to be something after we die. Like, that's my big thing. Fear. uh, Fear. Death is my biggest fear because of that. But I just, I'm a proof person. And unfortunately, I've never experienced anything. So that's why I'm like, well, until I really see real proof, I can't just sit there and believe in something that to me doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I float in between both of those, but I am agnostic. Yeah. I only say agnostic because to me, if there was a God, if I had to name anything as a God, I would say that it's just inertia, basically, or the force behind in what keeps everything going, life, nature, universe, that kind of thing, but not sentient. Oh, I was just about to ask that. Yeah. So not sentient, but obviously a force that does somewhat govern all of nature and the universe. So if I had to acknowledge something, it would be that. I think that makes me not an atheist. Interesting. Well, do you think that then this force, do you think that it can provide fate or something like that? Or do you think that it's just blindly set things in motion and we're kind of on our own? Well, neither and both. Okay, so uh, psychology was my major. I really like Mm -hmm. philosophy. I really like how people work because I love people. I'm an extrovert. I love people. So there is an element of there is actually no free will because you have certain genetic propensities towards certain kinds of thoughts, actions, personality types, and then your environment shapes you. Yeah. So you have the biological and your environment growing up and that really, really determines a whole lot of what you do with your life. And then your reaction to those things. Yeah. We make choices, but a lot of them are unconscious. So like even attraction has biology behind it. As far as like heterosexual attraction, you know, androgens and pheromones and things like that. And I am not straight. My girlfriend is trans. Yay! Yeah, we're still trying to figure out what in the world that kind of stuff comes from as far as a biological and genetic standpoint. But sure. in essence, I don't think there's an overall free will, but we do make conscious choices and there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I apply that to nature. It's the same thing. Everyone's basic biological urges are to survive and reproduce. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And a lot of my thinking comes from evolution and like, well, this is how we were over thousands of years of evolution. Like whenever I've said before, and I don't even know if this is relevant, but about how like people say like, oh, you put good energy out there and it comes back to you. And I've always said like, I don't believe in that in like a spiritual, like supernatural way. I believe in it from an evolution perspective where people are drawn to people who help them and do good. Yeah, like a behavioral thing. Yes. If you interact with people positively enough, other people will hear about you interacting positively and treat you positively. You know, it's just, there's so much that can be explained by science to me and that inertia that they keep things going. I just see things that way. I'm more of a spiritual believer and I found this term the other day that I lean towards to is omnitheism in which, you know, Mm -hmm. that there's good in every religion, you know, of some sort. Yeah. So I think that's my subscription. I grew up going to church and stuff, but as I grew older, I think a lot of it also has to do with, I found religions, parts that I like about it, parts that I don't agree with. So it's, I'm kind of a pick and chooser when it comes to that (laughs) stuff. 
which is totally fine. Yeah. yeah. And then regarding like believing the stuff, there's just some stuff that just can't be explained, you know? Yeah. For me, it's also cultural because growing up Chicano, Mexican-American, Mm-hmm. there's a lot of spirituality that we believe in growing up uh, as well. So there's a lot of folk medicine, folk urban legends, stuff like that, that, you know, that we've grown up believing. So I think that has a lot of influence mm-hmm. on it as, as well. Yeah. Chris lights sage now before every episode and like cleanses our room, it like ha- our recording it, studio. Making a difference though. We get like hyper. <laughs> yeah, we do. We really do. Like, <laughs> he actually was lying and it's actually like mushrooms and pot. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, Woo! Can you imagine for, to um, your, your earlier point about like, you know, one day someone woke up with consciousness. Can you imagine the first person who ever did <laughs> And they're the only person alive that actually has one. Like how weird that would be. You're walking around and you're like, what am I going to do with my life? And everyone else is just like, Tonga fire. Tonga. (laughs) Could you imagine that would have been so wild to be the the first conscious person? Yeah. I'm sure they had to be really careful because we do have at base levels. Difference is a scary thing because difference could be life threatening. So I'd imagine that person had to be like super on the DL so that nobody tried to kill them. The first closeted person. But you know how much manipulation (laughs) that person could have done? Because I would figure like, they they couldn't really lie. Like, you know, there's like, you look at dogs and other creatures, they don't really lie. They're not like, you know, they're not misleading or bad, but the first person with consciousness could have just run rampant. He could have had all the honeys, male and female. (laughs) Um, I don't know about the dog thing, but my cat is definitely malicious. So. <laughs> uh, well, I won't say malicious, but she's sneaky because she likes to steal socks <laughs> on other non-cat related things. This episode is actually about kind of culture and how we are raised in our cultures influenced how we look at the world and we approach things in general, whether we're believing or skeptical. And it influences religion. It does influence how you interact with people. It actually influences a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. People have talked to me, you know, because I grew up very Catholic. So if you ever listen to the podcast, you'll see like I talk about it a lot. And we even pick Catholic episodes like Stigmata and things. Oh, those are my favorite. Yeah, I grew up oh, good. Catholic adjacent, I guess, because my family is not Catholic, but a lot of my extended family was. So I, I knew a lot. You knew a lot. Yeah. And that's where like people have been like, well, how are then are you so skeptical when you grew up so Catholic? Because there's Catholic and then there's next level Catholic. And that's what I am. My mother would we would be saying rosaries every night i remember during the summer and all of our friends would be like let's go play across the street in the jungle gym and i'd be like i have to say a rosary first (laughs) and the whole family would gather together and we would have our rosaries and we would say novenas and i was supposed to be the priest of the family so my mom was like prepping me to be the priest we would go to daily mass and so my mom would get yeah so catholics actually do daily mass usually it's at 7 a.m or 5 a.m you are doing a silent retreat at a monastery 5 a.m first one it's great yep that's right that's right yeah you know you know i was gonna sit back and be like well i used to be a catholic youth minister Wow. Oh, yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So you really get it. So my mom then, she would get up at six and she would get a pile of rice cakes and they're disgusting and bland. What are the rice cakes for? And she would have them in a bag and she would wake us up before school and she'd be like, it's time to go to church. 
And we'd be like, oh, I want to sleep. And she'd be like, no, I've got rice cake for you. And so she would give us our rice cakes and we would go. The point though, there's actually a point to this, I swear. So she was that Catholic. So people have always been like, well, how are you such a skeptic then? But my mom was also had this weird other side in that, for example, she 100% believed in evolution. And she said, you know, she was like the Old Testament, especially a lot of it's more metaphor. And she's like, God said, you know, God created the world in seven days. Time means nothing to God. She's like, I feel like God set evolution (laughs) in motion. That's how God created the world. And she was also had this thing about when people say, you know, you just got to give it to God. You got to give it to God. Jesus did the wheel. Yeah. And it's like, and it sounds to me like, well, how do you do that? My mom would always be like, no, you've got to, I mean, for lack of better, not cussing word, you got to do shit for yourself. Like God will help you, but you've got to do shit first. Like you've got to prove that you can do this and you've got to work hard. And so she set this kind of logical side in motion along with the Christianity. And that's where I think I really took a hold of a lot of that science and and logic from that. And that's where my skeptical side comes in. Well, to be honest, Mm -hmm. her idea in Catholicism, as far as like you saying this is a combination of two things, she's actually in line with current Catholic teachings. So when I went to theology school, Mm -hmm. the Old Testament is treated in a few ways. So one, it follows the basic patterns of Jewish traditional storytelling. Uh Mm -hmm. So all of these hypothetical theoretical events like the flood and the creation story, things like that follow a certain kind of pattern of storytelling. The Old Testament is useful, but it's useful from a historical critical perspective because back then they were trying to figure out how the world is working and things like that. And that's why you have similar things like the flood story is also the same story as the Epic of Gilgamesh. Ah. So that's why you have those things going on. And the Catholic Church actually does not require for people to believe that the Old Testament is word for word, actual factual truth. Yeah. What is this Epic of Gilgamesh you just said? Never heard of that? No. It's a Babylonian story. Okay. Basically the same thing. It's polytheistic, but basically a god gets mad and punishes the world. They were just trying to explain how the world worked from the standpoint that they had. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's so funny like you about the epic of Gilgamesh. <laughs> I'm going to do I'm going to do it from Smurf. The El- the epic of Gargamel. <laughs> That's its new word. And I-, I really should have known that because, you know, that exists all over. So I'm not going to fault anyone for having religious beliefs if it adds something to their life. I do, however, have very strong beliefs that no one should be forcing their beliefs on others. That's exactly my thoughts. I mean, my mother's side of the family is Pentecostal. So that was a whole different avenue because we were Methodist, which is like very easygoing, you know, everybody's accepting, you know, and... Pentecost was exact opposite and they try to always force religion on us because you know they're the better Christians mm-hmm. blah blah and you know it just I I'm not okay with it that's why I'm also adverse to a lot of religions yeah. especially the oh, ones that yeah, that do that you know but to your uh, what you said too as well um, a, a lot of my believer stuff I've said this a couple of times when I talk about the the believer portion of a segment in, in our podcast is that you know if something that people believe in gives them comfort and helps them live a good life and or move on from something, then as long as it's not hurting anybody else, why not, you know, just go yeah. for it? 
Yeah, I agree. There's actually a website called Proof Prayer Works because I remember I've, I've gone through faith crises in my life, and there's actually these studies to your point, Natalie, about how prayer. They actually have these documents and stuff that show that when people were praying, that they tended to have better outcomes at times. And I think it's to your your placebo effect thing mm -hmm. that it's true. But the problem that I have, and this was where kind of my upbringing or my gay culture comes into play, is that um, gay culture? oh, it's so gay. <laughs> I have, it is a culture. <laughs> the, it is the gayest culture. Um, I'm an author and I write LGBT fiction, so I have a couple novels out that are for gay teens. And I've traveled around the country and done book events and I get all kinds of stories. So people will come up to me and they'll talk to me and I get to hear stories, wonderful and horrible. The people that come up and say, yeah, my parents disowned me or I can't come out because, you know, I know that it's going to be awful. And there, I've heard some really tragic stories, people being kicked out on the street and having to go oh, yeah. with friends or other relatives. Well, not 80, not 90, but sadly, 100% of the people who have bad stories is because of religion. Yeah. 100%. Every single one of them, their bad outcome is due to religion. And that really pisses me off. Well, you know this. I have a, a trans cousin that was adopted. And when she came out, they kicked her out. That's the Pentecostal side. Exactly. Family. From my position, I have deep, deep disdain towards people high up in leadership in organized religion because I've been in it and I know what they're like. Things you would not expect a church to be like, but power is a very, very addicting thing to people. And that's across the board. But from what I found in religion, most of the time, the hatred, the rejection, the way we treat other people or the way religious people treat other people is not actually preached by the religion itself. It's a cultural or someone is manipulating a text to serve their own ideas about how things should be. So I'm very hesitant to blame religion with a few exceptions because there are some verses and, yeah. and things that actually are inciting violence. Yep. But I think it comes a lot from people themselves. I so agree with that in that like whenever people talk about, oh, I can't believe you're Christian and gay. And I'm like, at its core, Christianity is loving and would be very pro-gay. And, and then do you, you know, do you but people mis misread, they misinterpret, they do it for their own gain. Yes, Chris. I was like, <laughs> and then do you respond to them? I can't believe you think Jesus is white. <laughs> uh, I actually, okay, so <laughs> funny, sorry. <laughs> I was a youth minister from 2013 to... Oh, wow. 2017. So very recent. Yeah. Oh, recent. Yeah. Yeah. Until I got sick. That's, that's literally what ended my career. I will call that that. And there are a lot of videos that you can show kids. And I commented so much uh -huh. about how much I hated how Jesus was depicted and the saints are whitewashed <laughs> yeah. that if we were watching a show and Jesus, a caricature or a person playing Jesus popped up in the video, all of the students would turn around and smirk at me because they knew, <laughs> oh, they knew I hated it so much. That is so funny. I mean, he's Middle Eastern and you know, know. like people in the South are hate people from the Middle East. So it's just very ironic as well. You know? Yeah. And you know, I'm from Arkansas. Oh, there you go. Oh, so you know. <laughs> yeah. And I was so mad. They knew the kids thought it was freaking hilarious i'm trying to imagine your face and it's probably just so like <laughs> it's you know that emoji where the lines 
uh, like you the lines for the eyes and then the mouth. Yeah, it's basically my face. Wait, which one? <laughs> I'll show you. I use that with you all the time. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I was just picturing the Julia Roberts one where she's just perennially confused. Oh no, I was not confused because it's like he's <laughs> always white. Oh, the one with the yeah. lines. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. it's like. Mm-hmm. It's like Marge Simpson's noise whenever she's frustrated. Basically. That was a terrible explanation. <laughs> I want to put that next to the real thing. Is this it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't do it. Your voice isn't raspy enough. That's true. It's too, it's too angelic. Oh, my gosh. I have never seen a movie where Jesus was the correct color. I, no, there I is think. one. She's like one. Yeah. <laughs> is it miracle? There's, no, there is an actual Christian movie that is historically correct. And when it came out, and I was religious, I was like, "Thank fucking god, finally!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I love that your first F word that came out was about Jesus' color. <laughs> Listen, my whole podcast is about celebrating people of color. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Well, why, why's Cody on here? Because I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> You're colorful. No, Cody, counts, exactly. Cody counts and you get to be on this podcast. I thought you get to be on this podcast. I'm honoring you with this spot on my podcast because <laughs> you oh have German heritage. That's true. And that actually influences some of your beliefs as well, because I've listened to enough of your podcast to know that there are some traditional folk tales and things that actually have influenced your experience. So you do have cultural Krampus. influences that matter. Yeah, yeah. It is that was so one. funny that you said that. This is like such a synchronicity moment. And I still want to touch synchronicity in our podcast because my twin sister was visiting from Wisconsin this week. And because she was here, she and me and my little sister who lives here, my little sister has a giant chest of stuff that my mom had. Uh-huh. And we decided to go through it for the first time ever. And when we did, in a little box, we found a little hand sock puppet of St. Nicholas and a hand sock puppet of Black Peter. Oh, my goodness. And I completely forgot about that. And that's like an old German you know, folktale. And my mom grew up in Germany. And in case people don't listen to our podcast, my mom said that around Christmas time, and they had a house off of base. Don't give away um, too much so they can listen to it. Yeah, this is a good teaser. People would go door to door around Christmas. In blackface. Yeah, one of them be a blackface, and one would be St. Nicholas, and they would knock on your door and be like, um, has your kid been good or bad? If good, they can have this candy. And if your children's been bad, Black Peter here will beat them. Yeah. And the, some of the kids who were traditionally German, the, the parents would be like, oh, yeah, they've been awful. And they would actually sit there and this stranger in blackface would whip their kids <laughs> for you. And I remember my mom said, Do, have you, have you heard that before? I heard this. I, I listened to this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And my mom said because they were American, they were stationed there, that like they were appalled that this was a thing yeah but she has these puppets and they would do this puppet show at christmas and it would be like i'm black peter and if you're not good around christmas you're gonna get sticks and coal and whipped i will link this episode in the show notes so you can all enjoy and by enjoy i mean stare off in middle distance with your mouth agape because you can't do anything because it's audio and (laughs) (laughs) hope you're not in public 
Yeah, that German folktale is not woke at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> no. But yeah, I never noticed how your German heritage does influence some of the stuff that we talk about because mine is always more overt because I always want to do something either about Southwest or about Mexico. Like I always... <laughs> I guess that's good though that like you have, you have such kind of richer and more exciting things german no hang on let me let me explain why i laughed like that okay <laughs> you probably haven't listened to this episode <laughs> uh -oh. but when i did the episode with melissa sheldon uh -huh. she's a voice actress and she is mixed white and mexican she likes to be identify as chicana yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> i actually brought you up <laughs> I was like, because um, there's a big topic in the voice acting world about what does a Latinx person sound like? So when you're trying to cast someone for a Latinx character, we can't be stereotypical, but how are we going to communicate this uh -huh. accent or this culture? And I was like, yeah, I think you probably do it the same way Chris from Believer Skeptic does. <laughs> and I was like, every time there is any opportunity for Chris to read something <laughs> properly, he takes it every time, every time. And I was like, I cannot hear or see Alexander Rojas without hearing you. <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh my God. That has been a common theme in the last year. Yeah. Like people always compliment me on my, my diction or like pronouncing because like my friend the other day he started listening to our podcast and he's like your italian is impeccable we were actually not to like self-promote but it's re it's relevant we were featured in a magazine and the editor the one who wrote the article referred to chris as the co-host with the angelic voice <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> and i was like <laughs> except the thing is the problem is, is like Alejandro, how we say it, say it. Alejandro Rojas. Yeah. So that's yep. great. English is awful though. <laughs> what? English words. No, just kidding. Just, that sounds like really like, I'm not trying to be hateful there. No, you're not. Okay. Just making it, sure. I knew it was a joke. I okay. am standing here. Yeah. It's different. When you <laughs> I think it's because English is your first language and that's yeah. why I can make fun of it. Yeah. Which is another interesting thing is like. I am one of those adults that regrets not learning Spanish when I was young, you know? Me too. But, well, especially growing up with it, like I'd talk with my grandparents where they would speak to me in, in Spanish and then I would respond in English and that's how we communicated, you know? Yeah. But a lot of it has to do too with that my parents didn't want me to learn because they didn't want me to go, my brother went through, my brother's first language was Spanish. And when he went to school, uh, he got a lot of shit from all the kids and they make fun of him. So like, they didn't want me to go through the same thing. So like, I don't blame them mm -hmm. at all, but I definitely do regret it now because I can speak it okay and I can get by, but not as well as I should be able to. Do you have that thing? I found like something I've noticed. So for example, my ex and I, and he was Hispanic. We went to a Mexican restaurant that was very traditional and the waitress would only speak to him in Spanish. And he was, he, he did not speak Spanish, but there's that thing that I, that's kind of sad. It's weird. If you don't speak English, you know, all the whiteies look down on you, but if you don't speak Spanish, your own like relatives will look down on you. Well, did you experience that? 
Oh, not just relatives. That's friends. I will say that is not an experience that is rare because I've talked to people who've experienced that. There's a lot of pressure from both sides. It's like Selena yeah. said in her movie. She's like, I'm not Mexican enough for the Mexicans and I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. quite enough for the Americans or American enough for the Americans. I feel the same thing. I feel the same way in the gay culture now more so because I'm... You're definitely gay enough for the gays. Not a lot. <laughs> Either they want me to be like super butch or just super femme, you know, like I'm just moderate, you know, and that I get that a lot. That's know? true. That's actually true. I struggle with that too, because my girlfriend and I, we came out at Pride yeah, and it was both of our first Prides, but my girlfriend's trans and I, it's almost yeah. like having an invisible disability. You just look at me and like, <laughs> she's a femme person and like... <laughs> That, yeah, an invisible disability. I love that. That's yeah. actually so I've never heard that before. And I think that's actually such a wonderful way, especially like I know a lot of the trans community. I think like for years and years, the gay community was the most hated minority in America. Yeah. And now it's the trans community. And it is kind of that invisible disability. Yeah. And not to say that anybody on the LGBTQIA spectrum has a disability. Yeah. I'm looking from the lens of someone who has a chronic disability. So that is in my vocabulary. Oh. And yeah. So I don't want to say that any of that's a disability. It's just in my vocabulary. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking like how other people look at them. You know, like people look at them like, oh, that poor, awful trans. You know how people who are so icky and, and transphobic, uh... you know, almost see that no, it's not like that. So I think I just understood. So I don't like to identify as anything other than queer. I know that the word queer has some bad history, I, but yeah. there's a lot of infighting between like people who think the bisexual mm-hmm. should be enough and you shouldn't need the pansexual label. There's a huge, huge fight going on between people in those sectors. And I don't want to label my sexuality. I like I said, yeah. I love people. I like personality. Obviously, there's an element of physical attraction. Yeah. I can't be like, oh, I'm just only personality. No, I. we all want to look at pretty people, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has the, their own version of pretty, so. Yeah, yeah I, but we all want our version of pretty, okay? Like, so, <laughs> but when we were walking around and people found out that my girlfriend was trans, it was almost like, shove the girlfriend over here and everyone would want to talk to her. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, I'm coming out too. Oh, she was seen as like more coming out. Yeah, and I understand, but like... That's sad. I was like, but me too. Uh, And I admit there is that, you kind of want that little bit of, you want that... Validation. Not glory, but just acknowledgement of coming out, you know? It was all about acknowledgement. Regarding the word queer... I know you identify as queer, but I despise that word. I always have because I have a negative connotation with it. Because when we were younger, if my dad saw anybody that was effeminate in any way or something, you know, he's like, oh, that person's queer, you know. So I've always seen it that way. And that's why I do not like that word whatsoever. We are a generation apart, I think. Yeah. I have talked to someone I'm very close to. We call ourselves like the sister flagships of mixedness. (laughs) Awesome. But she's in her 40s and I'm 28. So to her, Mm -hmm. queer is also bad, but I've never heard queer used in a derogatory way. And it's almost like there's no label for me. What If I say I'm bisexual, then people are going to be like, oh, you're not being inclusive. But then if you want to separate it out, then I'm pansexual. I'm like, could you just leave me alone? (laughs) (laughs) That gets complicated. That's so crazy. Wow. I never, like, I always try to think of myself as hip. 
but you're, whenever you'd said that you never heard queer derogatorily, I'm so surprised because that's, I guess that is generational because it's all it was whenever I was growing up. But that's why well, we I, also grew up in very small towns. Too. True. That is true. I grew up in a small town in Arkansas. So. Oh, that's true. I feel like I kind of am coming around on queer just because it's this way of embracing like if you're going to call it this and you're going to be negative i'm going to embrace it and i'm going to like kind of love that but and then also the definition alone is just means like being weird which we're not weird you know yeah that's true yeah it, honestly like i don't like the n-word and i know that some people are taking it and reclaiming it and they see it as a strong thing mm -hmm. but i am from a small again a small town in arkansas yeah. where that word has been used against me yeah and it has been used against my family and so i don't like it i don't listen to music with it it's very jarring yeah. and i kind of feel like a hypocrite when i say queer because it's almost the exact same thing because you're but introducing I that word as well yeah yeah, but I have no other way to label myself. How am I supposed to label myself if by picking a label, I'm either being not inclusive or not honest either? I mean, it makes sense to me, but it's just that's my personal history with it. You know, uh, The word used to make me kind of cringe, but now it doesn't as much anymore. So it's kind of having an effect. I just hate that. I prefer fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do that, please? Can I be a fairy? <laughs> we should add that QQIAF fairy. If you don't fit anywhere, you are now a fairy. fairy. I am tweeting about that later. I love it. I think that's great. I hate, like, and you're so right about what I, I really hate all the infighting and all the letters. And I know, like, my talking to my twin, and she's lesbian, she talked about how people who are lesbian will just absolutely refuse to date bisexuals. You do not date bisexuals. Yes, it's a big thing. Yeah, because they'll end up going back to a man and you don't do it. And I'm like, I hate the infighting. One, like you had said before, like you say you're bisexual, but then people say you're not being inclusive. Part of me is like, well, fuck you. Like, this is who I am. And if you have a problem with it, that's your problem. It's your problem. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like, we want to be inclusive. But the thing is, it's like, whenever someone says what they are, accept it. Yeah. And just be like, oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, label shame. Yeah. Like, I feel like the pansexual thing is kind of the rave right now. And I feel like in a perfect world, everyone would be pan. You would fall in love with someone yeah. just based on who they are. But I do feel that distinction between pan and bisexual. And I do feel like a lot of people who are pan are doing that to try to feel inclusive, even if they're not, which I respect. Yeah. But, you know. The biggest argument is bisexual is acknowledging the binary. And my biggest problem with that is trans people do fit in the binary True. agreed because if you say that a trans person doesn't fit in the binary you are by default not acknowledging their gender you know yeah. but then you have the whole spectrum of gender and i understand how you can see that as not being inclusive but i've been very tempted i'm very happy with my partner we're planning on getting married oh congratulations did a proposal actually happen no, it's just been a conversation. Like we know we're going to marry each other. Like we've talked about Yay. it. I'm so excited. It's it's more like she doesn't like the institution of marriage. I don't want to hurt her credit. Yeah. So <laughs> it's one of those things. But yeah, I'm very tempted to just call myself a lesbian and be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and yeah, and you, like you said, and there are people that really identify as non-binary too. So you have to take that into account. Yeah, I don't want to take them out. Yeah, regarding marriage, I've always said, you know, I'm not a big fan of the institution either. I was, what I usually say is I don't believe in marriage. I believe in commitment because you can still be married and not be committed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Yes. What's important to me is that commitment, that promise that we will, if something bad happens, we're going to work through it. We're going to be good communicators. We're going to, you know, care for each other's needs and our own because you have to take care of yourself as a person too. And so I've asked for a hand fasting. The essence of a hand fasting is that you are making a promise as equals. You are making a promise to be an equal partnership, whole persons on your own, working together and being with this person throughout whatever. I've just asked for a hand fasting and when we feel like we can, when we financially can, we don't want to do the whole capitalist thing, but we do want to have something that's personal. Absolutely. I want to spend that money on a honeymoon. <laughs> exactly that's exactly what we're thinking but we do want to have something beautiful and small yeah. and celebrate each other and have a honeymoon i've never heard of this hand fasting and that sounds that yeah. sounds really beautiful like a, that's exactly what oh, a ceremony should be whenever two people commit ceremony. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. which, which if you like marriage there's no problem it's just our personal preference but you know Tying like all of this together, we've talked about a lot of things, but I feel like none of it has been irrelevant because yeah. we carry like our cultural things and our beliefs into all areas. And it's really funny hearing all of our opinions on things because you can kind of trace them back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we all learned a lot about each other today in what we've talked about too, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I will say the one thing, though, that I was going to mention earlier when we were back on religion that I didn't share was if I believe in anything, this is what I believe. You ready? Ready? Yes. Okay. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. I know. It's so <laughs> He's coming out. I'm sorry. Uh, this is the believer segment. We're going to do believer skeptic now. Is that how okay. you do it? I believe, the believer, believer yeah, I believe in Thai food. Oh, okay, no, God. just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, is I heard this term, and I've mentioned this to you before, Chris. There was a friend of mine from Writers Group who mentioned something, and it was fairly recent, and I'd never heard it before. And I don't remember what the term is called, but it's basically like God is so everything, can be everything, that whatever religion you believe in actually exists That's... because God becomes that for you. So whether you're Buddhist, pagan, Christian, whatever you are, that religion actually does exist because God will be whatever you believe in. And so if you believe in heaven, yeah. you will go to heaven. Yeah. If you believe in pagan heaven, <laughs> that you will actually go there. And I was like, that's interesting that God is every religion that people believe in. Well, that's omnitheism, like I, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Oh, oh, I believe in omnitheism. I don't believe in that because, again, I'm skeptic. But if I believe in something, that, like, that's what I want to believe in. How about that? I want to go to the marvel universe after i die <laughs> then it exists <laughs> so mine mine is a lot less sophisticated i just want to be a tree <laughs> it's it probably stems from Stem. a very controversial hmm? Stem. Stem. Well oh my done. gosh <laughs> it probably is well done oh, i can't say it now <laughs> Oh my god, we're branching off. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it probably comes from 
my love of a very controversial movie that I didn't know was controversial because of the little brown girl in <laughs> Pocahontas, but very problematic. But yes, I, yes, Grandma Willow. Yeah, I want to be Grandmother Willow Tree when I grow up, and I still want to be Grandmother Willow Tree. So if I can, instead of being buried in like a cemetery, mm-hmm. I want to. They have these really cool things, and you can only do it in certain places. The tree pods? Yes, the tree pods. I want to be a willow tree. And my girlfriend's, like, completely atheist. There's no afterlife. Like, it's over. And I hate that so much because it makes me feel so sad and lonely. Yeah. <laughs> but- I was like, can I please just have your hand or something? Like, give me a piece because she wants to donate her whole body to to silence, (laughs) to science. (laughs) And I'm like, can I have a hand? Can I have your head? Can your head be buried with my pot? (laughs) So we can both be the tree. (laughs) Be like like Mary Shelley when she kept Percy Shelley's heart in a box in her desk, you know? I actually asked for the heart too. And she was like, but how are we going to do tests on hearts? And I was like, fine, hands are non-essential. Can I have hands? How about (laughs) your ring finger? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a non-essential part, please. (laughs) Oh, that was really fascinating. I learned so much today. Yeah. This was like, I was telling her earlier this week, this is very out of the box or outside of the box for us, which is a good thing. Yeah. I like to be challenged as a podcaster as well, you know? Well, yeah. And it's always fun to have an opportunity to talk about things you don't normally talk about. I don't normally talk about religion, but religion and culture, they coincide with each other. Yeah. There's oftentimes, if you come from a specific ethnic group, there's a major religion that you're a part of. and just like Cody, you said your upbringing, your mom was very devout Catholic, but she also supported science, which we've already kind of talked about, but that made you a skeptical person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think also believing can be skeptical too, because mm-hmm. unless you're believing blindly, which I don't think anyone should do, and yeah. it doesn't sound like Chris, you do it all, no. you have to do some amount of critical thinking. Yeah. And the difference between being a believer and a skeptic is at that important juncture where you actually make a choice. I know that this can't be proven either way. So do I choose to believe it and approach my life that way? Or do I believe or do I not believe it because there's not enough proof for me? And that kind of approach bleeds into everything else. Wow, that's interesting. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. That's fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been interesting. So we've gone from like religion and talking about like little things in our culture. And uh, definitely there is a, we joked, but there's definitely a gay culture. Oh yeah. It's formed since what? The 60s, 70s when underground groups of people got together. I used to do hip hop. I used to be in a hip hop dance crew and one of my best friends she does whacking mm-hmm. that comes from the gay community yeah oh <laughs> you know i didn't know that yeah like like crumping was one that came from a community as well right or like voguing came from the balls the drag balls you know oh that's right yes so a lot of dance forms now that are really showy and really actually popular right now mm-hmm. came from the gay community so I consider that a culture as well in actuality. The three of us are in that spectrum. True. I said, except the Macarena, only a white person could have meant that. Uh, <laughs> and crumping was not gay. I just meant it came from a culture. If so many people get confused. Yeah. And I want to throw out too, because I know that we mentioned like kind of some of the infighting and stuff, but mm-hmm. I do agree with that. And I think that the gay culture overall can be really wonderful. Like I know whenever I came out, 
I was really lonely because I just moved to Dallas. I was by myself. And as soon as I came out and I joined a gay volleyball league, I felt like I had family just like at the snap of a finger. And it was that thing yeah. where, I know, just like the snap of three fingers in a Z. <laughs> <laughs> like, basically, it's like you, you, we kind of have to band together as a culture mm -hmm. because you know, of all the prejudice and everything. So, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. You know, if we talked, we could talk about the LGBTQIA, we could talk a whole nother hour on that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that's a whole other thing. But we're all on that same spectrum. We all have Catholic backgrounds, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And Cody, don't let anyone tell you that your German background isn't a color, okay? You're not oh. race. <laughs> you're, you're not paper. <laughs> Just you have culture you know, too. I mean, you don't have any color. I'm, oh, I'm yes. like, I have a history. I don't feel alone anymore. Because it sounded like when you said that, when we brought it up, like, I'm not from one of these. I'm like, no, no, no. Your culture has come up multiple times in your podcast. Stalker <laughs> listener <laughs> says. Yeah. I need to <laughs> into it more. That's very true. And my Lithuanian heritage, which I learned more about with my sister last week. So, yeah. Okay. I'm doing a deep dive into my white heritage and not just my gay. <laughs> Now, I support knowing your white culture. I am connected to my Irish culture. Just don't go too far, okay? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to feel on the news in a couple of months. <laughs> Done. Done. Hey, well, that was that was super fun. Yeah. I'm glad so, you had, I had a lot of fun too. Thank you, Natalie, for having us on. Do we have a sign off or something that we need to do? On your podcast at the beginning, say what you're drinking. And you are drinking something, right? Oh, not today. I drank too much last night. And I'm drinking pure life because I feel like right now we're living our pure lives Aww. with this podcast, with this talk. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was talking to Chris and I was like, I might pull a Cody and make it at whatever I'm drinking fit into the episode. <laughs> I did it. Oh, so are you drinking something? Coffee. <laughs> because... Um, I'm drinking coffee because I have a rule about drinking coffee. I will not drink coffee. That is lighter than me. <laughs> <laughs> that is hysterical. So yeah. we're celebrating colors, except I'm being exclusionary of the very pale ones. Uh, <laughs> it, can't be, it can't be lighter than Jesus. <laughs> and I'm drinking water because water is light. There we go. <laughs> Colors and life and vivacity, vi vivaciousness, whatever form of that <laughs> yeah. word is real. We do have one thing. Okay. I know that my listeners are going to want to find you if they're not already listening to you. But like, if you're not listening already, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Where can we find you? You can find us on pretty much all the podcast platforms. Just search BSP Believer Skeptic Podcast. Uh, our website is www.bspod.com phx.com phx is for phoenix yeah and if anybody wants to get a hold of us they can email us at bspodphx at gmail.com we're on twitter instagram facebook as well at bspodphx yeah and i mentioned before my novels um they're called the gay teen's guide to defeating a siren they're out on amazon barnesandnoble.com a lot of like all those online booksellers search for it. The trilogy will be done soon. I'm working on book three right now. And my book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And my book is a title and written. And I'm not saying anything because I'm still waiting for my nice little copyright 
Uh, certificates come in and uh kickstarter's coming so all of you who want a mixed race and lgbtq inclusive children's picture book Ooh. get ready awesome so, i can't wait yeah and then there's like a second book planned and neither of them are published so writer extraordinaire uh, <laughs> i can't wait to see this yeah. oh i'm so excited you can buy it for your, yeah, for, for your niece i'll buy it for gianna yeah Buy it for everyone. Buy for everyone. Well, first, Chris, I know what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> first, donate to me so I can pay my illustrator when we get done. there. <laughs> done, True done. That. And if you need a beta a beta reader at some point, I'm happy to to help. It's a children's picture book. It's like I'm very <laughs> I'm a child at heart. <laughs> I don't know how much editing like. There's it's 24 pages, including the title page and stuff like that. Pretty, pretty uh, not long, but that's pretty good amount for yeah. a kid's book. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. I just wanted to be included in the writer's circle. <laughs> and I will link all of your social media and website and stuff like that in the show notes and in the newsletter, which <laughs> sign up for the newsletter, because if you're dyslexic like me... You have to check their social media like eight times before you're writing it to make sure you're doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank again. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Some Kind of Brown. We have a growing private Facebook group that you can join as well. If you would like to support the show, I do have Patreon with some pretty sweet rewards. You can buy me a coffee through the link in the show notes or link tree on any of my social media to make a one-time donation if that's more your style. And to really help our colorful family grow, subscribe wherever you're listening and spread the word about this podcast. If you're liking what you hear, leaving a review will help me know what you're enjoying or how to improve. All of your support helps keep me going with this podcast. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of this song, Love Life. And I'll see you later with some more Shades of Brown.